1: Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, we'll talk about why you should create a hidden delight, and we'll talk about a listener question that's also a know-yourself-better question. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, something that would delight you and me would be if listeners rate, reviewed, subscribed, and recommended
0: the podcast. (laughs) That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA. And yes, Gretchen, we're forever grateful for those reviews. Yes, yes. And those ratings.
1: They really help other people find the show. Before we jump in, we want to remind you that we have announced our next book club pick, Ya Jesse's Transcendent Kingdom. So get your copy of Transcendent Kingdom and send
0: us your questions and comments. We also had an update from Becky. She says, I was listening to episode 288 where you talked about learning something with a beginning, middle, and an end. I have had a garden of some sort most of my life. When the pandemic hit, there were shortages in the grocery store. For me, when my local grocery store had some limited supply of vegetables, I started to worry. It's hard to grow lettuce in my area, Houston, in the summer, so I started to research and hydroponics came up. I found a product arrow garden and bought one. One unit led to two, and before I knew it, I had five. Then I got into other hydroponic techniques, and that led my husband to build a table in the dining room. And now I have peppers, tomatoes to grow outside for the fall, along with cucumbers and carrots I will be starting. There really is no end here. (laughs) Well, that's, who knew?
1: Yes, I did not know. That is fascinating.
0: That's a perfect example of um, learning something that, that has an end. I love it.
1: Yes. And now, let's just for our Try This At Home tip. And the tip is to create a
0: hidden delight. Mm, Yeah, Gretch. this is um, part of our ongoing series on whimsy.
1: Yes, whimsy is good, especially when you need a lift. So... Some ways to think about creating a hidden delight are you might uh, paint the inside of a drawer or a cabinet a bright color. You could tape a favorite photograph on the inside of a cabinet door. Anything where there's some sort of unexpected thing pops out at you and lifts your spirits. So,
0: Gretchen, I know you like hidden delights. I
1: love them. Do you have some? I have several. So like in our kitchen, we have a little painted frog right above Barnaby's water dish. We have like a fireplace that has faux painting on it. And it, it to look like marble. And in the marble are all of our initials.
0: That's so fun. Next time yeah. I'm over, I have to see the initials. That's cool. It's pretty, it's pretty subtle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he you'll need me to show it up. But it's fun because I just look at it. And I'm like, oh, that's so fun.
0: Yeah. That yeah. Only we know about it. How about you, Alyssa? Do you have any? I do. It's funny because one of my hidden delights, Gretchen, is actually an object. Mm-hmm. So I bought this little makeup case, which is white. Off white leather, and I had my initials painted on it in um, bright blue and red. Mm. And I bought it with the intention of using it, but I haven't used it. I bought it before the pandemic, so one, I haven't traveled, mm-hmm. so I didn't need a you know makeup case. But also it's so pristine right now. I get pleasure out of just like having it in my closet and I take it out of its little bag and look at it. And I just, <laughs> it gives me a sense of delight just that I have it. So now I don't know whether I'm actually ever going to use it or I'm just going to keep it in pristine condition.
1: <laughs> don't you have some shoes like this too? You're like, I never wear those shoes, but they just make me happy. I <laughs>
0: Yes, I like to see, I have some zebra stripe shoes that uh, I have only worn like twice, but I love seeing them in my closet. It makes me so, happy.
1: Just because something isn't used me- doesn't mean that it's useless. That's, That's one of my right. aphorisms. Now, The Hidden Delight reminds me of something from Christopher Alexander's brilliant book, A Pattern Language. And I'm obsessed with this book. This is probably the book that I give copies to people the most often is Pattern Language because it's so interesting. So he talks about all these patterns in what people like in their spaces. And pattern 204 is secret place. And he writes, where can the need for concealment be expressed? The need to hide. The need for something precious to be lost and then revealed. He says, we believe there is a need in people to live with a secret place in their homes, a place that is used in special ways and only revealed at very special moments to let only some in on the secret and not others. And we have a couple of these in our apartment. Yes. We have a whole closet that basically is hidden, if you don't know that it's there. We have a cabinet that's behind a secret wall and it's super delightful to have something hidden
0: we have not a hidden room but something that this reminds me of is so recently adam got this crazy wallpaper Mm -hmm. to put in just our little the little room off our bathroom that just has the toilet i don't Mm -hmm. know what that's called
1: yeah like a toilet stall
0: yeah um And it's, the wallpaper is called Drunk Monkeys, and it has pictures (laughs) of monkeys, like, drinking and doing other things that are, you know, inappropriate. And it's just very funny. They're like partying monkeys. Partying monkeys, yes. And it's funny because I wouldn't put that in our living room, (laughs) in our little bathroom yeah. Basically, we're the only ones who will see it unless we show it to someone. So it really is a hidden delight because it is delightful, but it will be, you know, just for us. That's such a fun idea. Yeah, and Gretchen, this doesn't have to be something as big as wallpaper or something, you know, painted on a wall. It could be... Like a rock that you got on vacation in your desk drawer. And just when you open your desk drawer, you can see it and it reminds you of your, you know, your family vacation.
1: Right. Or like a postcard of your hometown that whenever you open your closet door, you see it and it just gives you that little flash of delight. Yes. Yeah. So let us know if you do try this and how creating a hidden delight works for you and what form your hidden delight takes. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at gretchenrubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 292 for everything related to this episode.
0: Coming up, we've got a workout happiness hack. But first, this break. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Okay, Elizabeth, time for a happiness hack. What's the hack? Yes, this comes from Sharon. She says... Since my children were born, I have become very intentional on the clothing I wear each day. If I choose to wear workout clothes in a given day, I must exercise at some point. If I do not want to exercise in a day, I must be dressed in, quote, real clothes. (laughs) This hack has been wonderful for me, especially when my children were young because I had to think before I got dressed. It either forced me to exercise when I wasn't necessarily in the mood or other days I would choose to get dressed in real clothes when my kids were little and I had nowhere to go, but at least my spirits were up because I got myself put together. I still find it a great life hack today with my oldest being 15. Of course, there are days when I wanna be cozy and wear yoga pants and a sweatshirt, but if I'm going to do that, I need to get some exercise in. Some days that forces me to go out for a post-dinner walk or get a bunch of sit-ups in. I find getting dressed for the day change my attitude. Some days I will decide I am not going to exercise today. At least I can motivate to get some jeans and a blouse on. <laughs> the bonus to this hack, a bit of weight loss.
1: Now, see, this is a brilliant use of the strategy of pairing. Now, in my book, Better Than Before, I talk about the 21 strategies we can use to make or break our habits. And the strategy of pairing is when you take something that you really want to do or kind of have to do with something that you're trying to make a habit of. So, for instance, when I was trying to get in the habit of exercise in college, I had, I had the rule that I, I could only shower on a day when I exercised. Mm. And so sometimes I would exercise just because I wanted to have the shower. The same thing here, Sharon is saying, if I want that day of yoga pants, I mean, if I had to exercise every time I wear yoga pants, I wouldn't miss one day. (laughs) (laughs) But this is great because it's kind of a win-win because it's also that when she's wearing real clothes, she feels kind of more put together. So either way.
0: Yes. Either way, you're doing something good for yourself. Yes. No, and I have noticed, Gretchen, since my treadmill desk is back in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I make a point of wearing leggings and my running shoes like as soon as I get up because I uh-huh. know that when I have them on, I feel like, oh, I should be walking because I'm wearing walking clothes.
1: Well, this is a great example of like enclosed cognition, which is that clothes can influence our minds and our behavior and so when you're just ready to go you're just so much ready to start and so yeah. even by putting on the clothes you feel like well kind of now I'm I'm sort of committed to it in yes. a sense yes yes yeah. so sharon this is a great idea and I think either way, she feels like she's getting a treat. Either she gets the cozy clothes or she maybe skips the exercise if she doesn't feel like exercising that day or doesn't have time.
0: Yeah, I think especially now when so many people are working from home yes, or in spending so much more time in yoga pants, yes, <laughs> that this is a great hack to just sort of keep yourself in on, in some sort of frame of mind, you know? Yes, yes. So I yeah. think it's it's good anytime, but now especially.
1: Yes, yeah, a very elegant solution. So thank you, Sharon.
0: Okay, Gretch, it's time for a listener question. And this question is also sort of a know yourself better. And I don't yeah. know if Combo. there's... Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if there's an a- actual definitive answer to it, but it brings up a lot of interesting issues.
1: Yes, this comes from Michelle. She writes... Here's a situation I experienced. I bought a high school graduation gift for a friend's son, which was a blanket with a college logo, but he switched schools after getting off a wait list. I didn't want to bother going through the effort to return the blanket. I bought it online. It's a pain in COVID world to go to the post office, etc. So instead, I was asking around to see if anyone was going to that school to give away the blanket. I discovered that the son of a woman I know is going to the school. I emailed her and offered the blanket. She enthusiastically said yes and asked how much it was. I said, no cost, it was my gift. I was happy to find a home for it, and I would drop it off. She said she'd be home all week, and please name a price. I sent her reply saying, no, I was going to give it to a stranger and happy to give it to someone I know. I don't want money. You can buy me a drink the next time our extended group gets together, etc. I felt that after the initial offer to pay, which was, yes, a nice gesture, which I would do too, why can't she just say thank you and accept the gift? I truly don't want the money. But my best friend, after hearing this story, said that if it were she, she'd insist on paying and would feel bad if she didn't. She had a similar story on the other side where she'd figured out how much the item cost and found the Venmo account and paid. Wow. My sister said, perhaps it's a burden on the receiving end to feel like you need to make it up and give me something in return. It got me thinking about giving and receiving unexpected gifts when it's not for a particular occasion and a bit random. Are you a person who says thank you, or do you feel it's a burden and insist on paying it back in some capacity? I see both sides. I didn't want to burden this person, but I really did not intend to sell the blanket, and I just wanted to do something kind.
0: Interesting. I think this comes up on a daily basis in most people's lives. It's an (laughs) ongoing negotiation between people that everyone finds to be a sticky situation.
1: With the giving and receiving. Yes. And what's the polite thing to do and the polite way to respond. And, and as she points out, you can see different points of view. Yes. It's not like there's a right answer and a wrong answer. Now, see, to me, and there's so many, like, there's this is like a multi-factor test, as they say in the law. Hmm. And to me, the key thing in this situation is that she'd already bought the gift for someone else, and now the gift wasn't a useful gift. And so she was just looking for someone to give the blanket to. And it's like, oh, I was just going to give it away to the world, but if, if, it, if I can give it to you and, like, your child will enjoy it, I'd like to give it to you. And that's sort of fun for me, but I've already sunk cost right. with the blanket already having been made. And so to me, it's like, she didn't spend money to do this. The money was already spent. And so I would just graciously accept it. I think. What do you think?
0: Gretch, I have a rule for myself in these situations um, when I'm the one being given something, which Mm is I offer often once, like I'll say, Mm -hmm. oh, can I, you know, give you money Mm -hmm. for that blanket? And if they say, oh, no, it's a gift, I'll say, oh, thank you. That's so nice. Like, I don't keep the negotiation going.
1: But I, I do think, though, that she's she makes a good point about people feeling burdened. There is this there is something called reciprocity, which is a psychological phenomenon that when someone does something for us, we feel like we have to do something for them. And that's why often fundraising campaigns will send you like pre-made return address stickers or a stamp or something, or they'll hand you a flower because if you're given something, you, you start to feel like, well, now I owe you something. Um, and so I think sometimes people are very wary. Like, they don't want to get into a situation where there's sort of an open loop with re- reciprocity. They want it. they want to like settle the score mm-hmm. so that it's, so that they don't have that feeling of open and unopen reciprocity.
0: Well, in the case of the blanket, though, she could say, You're doing me a favor by yes. taking it because then yes. I don't have to find somewhere else. Yeah. I would be donating it no matter what. You're doing yes. me a favor by taking it off my hands.
1: Yes. And I think that's a very clever way to, to, to cast it so that a person who's concerned about reciprocity feels like that is directly addressed.
0: Now, one one time uh, recently when I actually went against what I'm saying, which is that I offer once, is a friend of mine, Candace, is starting to sell these really great chains that you put on a mask. I don't Ooh. know if you've seen people no, wearing those. No. So what it's like that? eyeglass oh. chains. So that you can put if you're hiking or something and no one's around, you can put your mask down. But if someone approaches, you can put it on rather than just having it under your chin or something.
1: Ah, oh now course, that I've LA, said it, L- LA is on the forefront of all the trends, of course. Yes. Okay.
0: Yes, but she offered me one and other friends one and I insisted on paying just because I felt like she's starting a business and I want mm-hmm. to support this as a business. Mm-hmm. And so I just Venmoed her. Like the woman was saying, Venmo makes it easy just to pay someone, whether they're yeah. asking for it or not. I don't know. Hopefully she appreciated that people wanted to pay for her products because it, you know, it was well worth it. And it is a business. But
1: again, it's sort of a multi-factor test because so much goes into it because here it's almost like I want to support a friend who's getting a business off the ground. Or is it like, I'm taking a bunch of kids out for pizza. Of course, I'll just pay for pizza for all the kids. You don't need to pay me back because if you pay me back, then I got to pay you back. And then we're constantly having to like divide it up and keep track of it. And it's easier. But it's also easier, like if you're in a group of friends to just sort of say, well, it's all going to even out in the end. Like We don't really need to keep track because over time, it's all going to work out. That's easier, whereas this person also, it sounded like they were distant acquaintances, so maybe there wasn't that feeling of, oh, yeah, I'll just buy a drink for you or, or whatever it is. It didn't feel like it'll come out in the wash the way in some groups you would feel like. I'll do it this time, but I know you'll you'll do it next time, so we don't need to worry about it too much.
0: Yeah, my thing is if I've invited someone over or invited their child somewhere, I just assume yeah. that I will provide whatever in nourishment. And I also assume if my son goes to someone's house and they order pizza, like, I don't offer to pay for the pizza because I assume right. that's what they've invited him for. Right. It's part yes. of the invitation.
1: Right. Yeah. But I guess since I'm thinking about it, it is that sometimes you feel sort of irritated when somebody keeps insisting on paying. It feels almost rude that they won't accept the gift. But now thinking this through, it's making me realize maybe the the lesson is to be gracious. Either way. Either way. And if somebody seems like they really want to pay, you're not being gracious by insisting on paying if the person's seems like they earnestly would feel better if they paid you back.
0: Yeah, and another situation which is akin to this is when people want to bring something. You know, yes. when they say, what can I bring? Yes. And it's like, you don't need to bring anything, but yes. some people just have to bring something. Yes. So I have found, well, if they're, if I know this person has to bring something, yeah. then I will say, oh, please bring a bottle of white wine or yes. oh, bring ice cream or yes. whatever. Because if they're just insistent, then okay, bring something, fine. Yes. Or
1: people are like me, where I always say, can I bring something? But then if somebody says, don't bring something, I'm like, okay. (laughs) That's how I am, Grudge.
0: We're not bringers. (laughs) We're not bringers. But that's the
1: thing. But some people, but you're like, some people really want to bring. And this is the thing. With people that you know well, you kind of know their vibe. And you're kind of like, this is the person who needs this. This is the person that needs that. It's more with newer friends or people that you don't see as often or it's in a new situation. You've got to kind of feel your way. As Michelle says, where it's it's interesting because she clearly
0: asked her aunt, she asked her sister, she asked her best friend, like what's going on here? I mean, I think we all grapple with this. That's what's it's one of those just daily life irritations in both directions. We all experience it in every direction. That's what's interesting. Okay, well here's here's a wrinkle.
1: Uh, Okay, then now we're just reassociating, but. What if you have a friend who's the kind of friend that's always like giving you little things like, oh, you said you wanted this book. Uh, Here's the book. I'm finished with it. You can have it. Or, oh, I thought of you. And I'm always like, should I reciprocate with like these very thoughtful gestures? Or is this an overbuyer who just like enjoys buying things and wants to give them to me? Or like wants to get books off their bookshelf. So it's really nice to give it to someone who is a good home. At what point am I being thoughtless by not Stepping up with these also small, unexpected, thoughtful gestures?
0: That is a good question. I know exactly the kind of thing you're talking about. I think if someone does that, that's their nature. Yeah. I don't think you need to reciprocate. <laughs> but this is to know yourself better. So I'm the kind of person who does it. <laughs> so am I. Yeah. But we offer other things, <laughs> we offer conversation and support and a non judgmental ear. Hopefully you do. (laughs) (laughs) And you offer cheerleading and coaching and happiness
1: Um, bullying. (laughs) I do offer happiness bullying and I will often tell you a book to read any I've talked about this It's like almost like a fault of mine. It's like I won't even I can't even listen to you before I'm like handing you a list of reading a reading list.
0: Well, if you think about it, Gretchen, all the closets you've cleaned. I mean, that's thousands of dollars (laughs) if you hired someone to do that service. That is a very expensive service. You're providing for free. (laughs) I assume you're providing it for free.
1: I am providing it for free, but I do have to say that sometimes it's like you, Elizabeth, where you're really allowing. It's like, who's being generous here? I'm like, it's Elizabeth graciously allowing me to clean (laughs) your closet. It's like, I I can be a little bit like, please let me come over and help you clean your closet. I I can voice myself. But anyway, but the larger question is giving, receiving. Yeah. Yeah. It's complicated. It's interesting.
0: Yeah, I would love to hear from people on this because I bet a lot of people have really strong opinions that are probably very different from each other, which just shows how people can firmly believe something and someone else can firmly believe the opposite. Then maybe we can do a follow up.
1: Yes, absolutely. Let us know.
0: Crutch, speaking of books, coming up, I give myself a book-related happiness demerit. But first, this break.
1: Okay, Elizabeth, it's time for Demerits and Gold Stars, and this is an even-numbered episode, episode 292, which means it's your turn
0: for Demerit. Okay, Gretchen, I think I have said on the podcast that I recently, I put a moratorium on buying books Mm -hmm. because I have stacks of books that I haven't read that I want to read, and I'm getting paralyzed. (laughs) I did finally read a couple of books over the last several days, so that makes me feel slightly better. But anyway, I said no more buying books until I get through this stack. Yeah, we've all been there. I broke that, Mm. and I didn't just break it buying a little, you know, novella. I bought James Mishner's Alaska, which is 1,124 pages. Wow.
1: Yeah, James Michener books are long.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's like I have so much to read already, and now I've added this huge weight. It's like knowing it's so long, it's like this psychic weight in my head. But I loved Hawaii so much, another yes. saga he wrote. And for some reason, I don't know how this happened. I didn't know the book Alaska existed. Ah. And I was talking to Sarah and she said, Oh, I found James Mishner's Alaska in my house. And I was like, What? What is this? <laughs> and I bought it like within like 30 seconds of her telling me this because I just felt the need to purchase it immediately. But then now that it's here and I can see it, it's like, oh, my God, when am I going to read this?
1: It is funny that with some books, you're like, I don't want to forget that it's there. I need to claim it so that I make sure that I don't overlook it. Maybe you kind of panicked when you realized you didn't know about it. You're like, I've got to get it. I've got to get it into my clutches
0: now. Yeah. And what's crazy is probably I'm going to end up reading it first and it's going to take forever. And my whole huge stack is just going to sit there. But... I don't know. I just, I had a moment. Because, you know, I am an underbuyer like you. Yes. So it's pretty easy for me not to buy stuff. Yeah. But, yes, in this case, I just, I broke my own moratorium.
1: Well, it's funny, though. There's kind of an opportunity cost for a very long book. Because you think, well, in the time, like, I had this Napoleon biography that I'm really dying to read by Andrew Roberts. But I'm like, in the time it would take me to read that, I could read 10 other books. Right. And so it's sort of like... I, I just never get around to it because I'm always like, well, let me read these handful of books first. Yes. Because it's an investment. You do love James Mitchner though. So yes. I can see you like tackling that one first. Yes.
0: So I'll let you know how I proceed okay. and um if I can get this mental weight off of my mind. Yes. Okay, Gretch, what is a gold star?
1: I want to give a gold star to a television show because I know people are on the hunt for good TV. So my friend Ruth told me about this show, which she describes as Stranger Things, Only Better. Mm. It's on Netflix. It is a German science fiction thriller season. It's three seasons. It was done from 2017 to 2020. And I'll read the official description. In the aftermath of a child's disappearance, Dark follows characters from the fictional German town of Winden as they pursue the truth. They follow connections between four estranged families to unravel a sinister time-travel conspiracy which spans several generations. The series explores the existential implications of time and its effect on human nature. Dark has received critical acclaim with praise for its tone, visuals, acting, musical score, and the ambition and complexity of its narrative. Here is the thing. It is ambitious and complex. Hmm. This is like Game of Thrones level track the characters. At one point, Eleanor actually took a picture of the screen (laughs) because they do these things to help you stay on track. It is... It's demanding. Like, we would watch one episode as a family and take it in, which I like. I like having something where it's like you really sit down and watch it, but it is not something that you can kind of watch and pay bills at the same time or, like, be scrolling through your phone. Also, it's subtitles because it's German, so.
0: So you have to watch the screen at all times. You have to watch
1: the screen. So I really liked it, and it is not a spoiler to say. If you love Ted Chang, which, of course, you do because Ted Chang is amazing, his short story from Exhalation called Anxiety is the Dizziness of Freedom, you will like Dark because it raises some similar issues uh, in a very, very interesting way.
0: Okay. Dark on Netflix.
1: Yes. Now, the resources for this week, my book, The Four Tendencies, which is all about the Four Tendencies Personality Framework turned three years old this month. If you would like to read a sample chapter, go to GretchenRubin.com resources and scroll down to The Four Tendencies to download it for free. And don't forget to enter my latest Instagram giveaway for your chance to win a signed personalized copy of Outer Order Inner Calm. Go to my profile at Gretchen Rubin and follow the simple instructions on the giveaway post. Nice. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home create a hidden delight. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you and what was your hidden delight.
0: Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com.
1: And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast.
0: Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft
1: and I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward.
0: Gretchen, I meant to tell you. Now that I have my treadmill desk set up, when we were planning this episode, mm-hmm. I walked 2.36 miles just during the planning.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, it's working. It's working. From the Onward Project. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking
0: deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide.